Ladies, gentlemen, geeks of all ages, you are now entering BJ Shea's Geek Nation. Welcome. Yes, welcome to BJ Shea's Geek Nation. I am the Reverend Fuego. Across from me is not Vicky. It's just what? BJ. Hey, it's BJ and I. Joe, Joe and Vicky are on assignment. Whoops. Yeah, I'm so those, used to have it there. Those slackers. <laughs> those slackers. They're always on assignment. Or what we usually say when you're uh, on assignment, they're probably pooping. Well, boy, that's a that's a double that's a double situation right there. Well, not together. All right, fair enough. On today's show, BJ will talk some board games. He'll be yes. talking Lost in Space, Woo! Flash, Invasion. Oh yeah. And then you and I will talk a little bit about Masters of the Universe Revelations. Revelations. I have the power. Do you? Well, somebody does. Somebody's got that power. Yeah. You got the power to get a hold of us. You can do so by uh, sending us an email, bjgeeknation at gmail.com. You can also just find us on all that fun social media out there. And you can find all of that, our podcasts, and that more. More. On, thank you. On bjgeeknation.com. We got a lot of stuff to go through, so let's start off with those board games, BJ. Because I mean, you know, it's that—is it that time of year? Family gatherings? Uh, oh yeah. Maybe some gaming. Oh. Maybe some uh, people yelling at each other. I don't know how the board games are working with you anymore. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> no doubt about it. Um, yes, yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, we are going to talk about it. And uh, I just had one pop in my head, and um, you know, let me see if I can find it because I think I would like to talk since it was a gift. Well, it wasn't a gift, but it was a. Uh, so it was my uh, future son-in-law's birthday on Thanksgiving. Oh wow! So you know, and it was like, oh man, when your when your birthday falls on a holiday, you kind of like, are you really? You know, you, do you get the good treatment? Uh, it's not as bad as Christmas because <laughs> uh, you can still, you know, because there's no presents given for Thanksgiving, but you still have two celebrations. So I said to him, I go, look, man, uh, whatever you want to do, and he brings and he says, well, look what I got through Kickstarter. And he is an avid disc golfer, and somebody made a disc golf board game. Oh, wow, really? Yeah. And um, I was like, wow, okay. I know nothing about disc golf, but, I mean, it's you know, it's got a lot of the same rules that golf has, except you're just using discs rather yeah. than clubs and balls. Uh, and uh, he's, he, boy, he and my daughter just play a lot and love it. And uh, so I was like, sure, let's give it a try. And I have to say, my wife joined in because um, uh, my son was sick, so he could, you know, Joey D's couldn't make uh, Thanksgiving because he was he was feeling a little under the weather, Aww. so he didn't, so he missed that. And so she was like, well, you need a fourth. I'll join in. I don't usually play games. And boy, did she have a blast. We all had a blast playing Birdie, the disc golf board game. And apparently, <laughs> this is um, it's designed by people who play disc golf, so they know about the sport. And, um, you know, it, 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 it was really a lot of fun as they, as they did a good job at recreating the different, like they took this Maple Hills golf course and Maple Hills golds, which I guess is a really good disc golf course and recreated it for the board game. And then they added action cards, which they called karma cards. And they had different ways where you could actually design your characters so that you would have different attributes, but it would be like if you would design a, a D and D character, you're good at some things, not good at other things. Wow. And, and so that you could feel, and you could feel like a particular golfer, like some of the celebrity, you know, disc golfers and you know, in that world. And we were able to do that, and boom, man! I mean, playing karma cards. 
throwing those discs, which I normally couldn't do in real life, but man, the <laughs> dice were going my way. So the dice were making me just a hell of a driver. So it's and not it's not a physical game at that point. You're not throwing like itty bitty tiny discs uh, in, in like in your house or anything like that. It's all dice based. It's all dice based all right. and card and card based as far as being able to use cards to adjust the dice or cards to adjust oh. your opponent's situation. Uh, weather can be involved, and uh, yeah, it's um. It's a fun game where you know you can take some risks and you can or you can play it safe and there's and there are these karma cards which I guess karma is definitely a, a catchphrase in the world of disc golfing so having karma <laughs> cards really worked out well and you know there's some take that there's push your luck there's dice rolling and look if you love disc golf you're going to love this game as a matter of fact it's not been reviewed a whole lot by a lot of traditional board game reviewers but there is a board game couple that every once in a while I see their videos, and it turns out not only are they massive board gamers, but they're also massive disc golfers. So, of course, they're like, <laughs> we had to review this game. Yeah, right. And uh, so it's called Birdie, the disc golf board game. And uh, you know what? If you, if you know anybody who loves disc golf in their life, I think this is a fun present to get them. Uh, and if you, know, if you can get it. It's uh, it's available. I know on the, on the Geek Market. Maybe you can try eBay. I don't know if their official site has it right now. Uh, but it's called Birdie Disc Golf Board Game. Give it a search because I'm even looking over here. And the publisher is called the Boda Brothers, which I believe those are guys that you know from uh, the world of disc golf. So maybe Boda Brothers uh, has a site that you can buy it from them. Oh, perfect. Or I mean, yeah, you can search for it and uh, find it out for everything. It's just fun that when uh, when they incorporate something like that along those lines. Like, I mean, even going down to like playing. Like, uh, I used to play a lot of Blood Bowl, which is basically oh, fantasy, yeah. high fantasy football with orcs and elves and all that sort of thing. Oh, so yeah. you get the feel of that also by being enraged at rolling dice. So <laughs> it's good that they're keeping that tradition alive. <laughs> yeah, why not? Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That, that way we can say that we're being athletic. Oh yeah, or something. <laughs> yeah, we're. I'm getting physical work. I mean, oh. I'm throwing discs, aren't I? Yeah, sure, totally. Yeah. Uh, what else do you got for us in the board uh, game world? Uh, you've heard of this uh, this uh, designer. He's, he's, he's a small designer, but you might you may have heard of him. His name is Richard Garfield. Oh and, yeah, uh, yeah. He might have done a couple of things. I don't know, like King of Tokyo, and yeah. maybe maybe a small card game called Magic the Gathering. Maybe. But I don't. Who plays that now? Yeah, he's. Uh, <laughs> you know what? He's still doing games. That uh, that kid. I think you know he's trying to make it. He's really trying to make it. <laughs> um, and. You know, give Richard Garfield credit. Um, you you yeah. know, nowadays in board game design, you realize there are certain mechanics. And you go, all right, well, let me see what I can do with this mechanic or in this genre. Let's see what can happen. And, uh, you know, what we have, the sort of the sort of uh, dungeon crawl deck builder clank made. They took deck building. Oh, they took yeah. sort of, you know, push your luck dungeon crawling. And they made it a big thing out of it. And so Richard Garfield is, I think, I mean, I don't know. You can argue whether or not he did or didn't, but probably took a look at that at least. Or somebody said, hey, what do you think? of this and he has done something within that genre it's called the hunger and it's a vampire based game Ooh. where you're hunting humans but you got to get home before sunrise which at least on the theme is a great push your luck theme it's like when you're out as a vampire doing whatever you're doing you do got to get the hell back uh, yeah. uh you know uh, in your coffin or at least out of the sun so it, it's a it's a really good theme and um it is a deck builder the deck you're building are the humans that you are hunting. It's really pretty fun. <laughs> um, and uh, it was, uh, it, and it, I have to say, uh, you know, our friend Lacey had this game and she said, hey, let's do it. It's by our, you know, Origami Renegade Game Studios. 
and uh, the the art by uh, Marta uh, Ivanova and uh, Jock Millet are is really uh, is really good. It's fun art, but it's really good vampire art. Uh, nice game board, and yeah, if you played Clank or if you you know you will understand pretty much what this game is. He does turn some things on uh, you know uh, on its head a little bit, so it's not exactly like Clank, but you know you've got a, you've got some deck building, some bag building, some pool building. Uh, there is actually player elimination, but you know that happens too in in, in Clank as well. Because if you don't get back in a lot of those games, you do not qualify to win. Oh yeah, that makes sense. But you know, it usually happens close to the end of the game. Like whatever player elimination there is, you know, e- you either a you successfully get out, and you have to wait for everybody else to either not get out or get out, or b you die and don't get out, but you got to wait for everybody else to get out. And you know, so I mean, it's you're waiting anyway. Yeah. Uh, so you know, it's that, that which is you know the part of deck elimination that people don't like, but it's a small wait uh, because and you're also waiting, but you're really you're invested because you're like, okay, I'm out, and I really don't want you to get out. I hope you die. So you really you really are watching other people's turns. And yeah, pretty much during the game, what you're doing is you have you know you you have uh, speed speed points, and you use your speed to either a move or b hunt. And, um, and so, and, but you have a total of speed points, which you're given on cards. And so there's a number in the top of the cards. It tells you how much speed you have and the better humans you hunt, uh, then they slow you down because the, they, they go, these humans go in your deck and it's a deck builder. And then you open up your hand and you go, oh my God, I have no speed at all. I can't do anything. And there's also things that humans, like sometimes humans are too spicy, you know, like, you know what, their, their blood's a little too spicy and that can ruin you. And nothing, you, uh, yeah. Nothing worse than getting heartburn as a vampire. Oh, exactly. <laughs> to the point where if you have a spicy human, you have to run to the nearest well. And sometimes the nearest well is behind you. And you're like, oh, no, I'm going in the wrong direction. Oh, I don't want to. No. Damn you, spicy human. <laughs> um, but the spicy humans will give you lots of points. So. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it is a fun game, uh, and I, I I don't own it, but I will always want to play it. And and I mean, if somebody gave it to me as a present, I wouldn't say, "Oh my god!" I'd be like, "All right, cool. I have this in my collection. I can bring it out." Um, I think you're going to like it a lot. It's uh, Amazon's got it for fifty bucks, but I'm sure if you go to the good folks, uh, your friendly local uh, friendly local game store, uh, like around here, you know, uh, Mox, Mox Sporting House or Zulu's Board Zulu's, Game Cafe, yeah. you can ask them, "Hey, can you get this game?" Or they might already have it. It plays up to six players, too, which um, is always nice to have a game that can play six players. Now, some people might go, that's long. Well, look, we don't mind long games because we all get to be at the table and kibitz yeah. and, and being socialized. But if you really, you know, obviously this game is good at three or four players, I'm sure, for time-wise. But, hey, I love a game that allows, you know, six players. That means, hey, usually that's everybody got, we got in our group at the time. And, the, I mean, you've always said, like, that the five is kind of the magic spot, too, because it lets – because a lot of the times you might – you don't want to have a four-player game and suddenly there's five people there. You'd be like, well, you, you don't want to have someone just sit out. So having a little bit more of a number of people being able to play is a, a lot better, I feel. Yeah, if you like Clank, you're going to like this game. I actually love this better, and I have Clank in space, too, because I'm a sci-fi guy. Yeah. But I really like what Richard Garfield has done. It, it, I, I like this. I just like what he's done with this whole Clank-like engine, if you will. And uh, it is much, you know, it still has a lot of differences. So, I like, I could play Clank and still play this. And um, this is really, uh, it's a well-done game. Richard Garfield's called The Hunger. Now, moving on from that, let's keep, uh, you were just talking about Clank in Space, but let's go from Clank to Lost in Space, 
and yeah. uh, talk about this because uh, I know that when the season when season two uh, came and went, um, people weren't sure if there was going to be a season three, and now they they did announce that season three was going to be the final season for it. That's right, yeah. and it's on Netflix, and they dropped them all at once, right? That's what they do on Netflix, those kids. I know. Yeah. So have you binged the whole thing, or where are you at with it? Uh, you know, here's the thing. As as of this recording, I have not binged the whole thing. I haven't even finished episode one, but I wanted wow. to watch episode one, just a little bit of it anyway. I mean, I can't tell you how much TV we watched yesterday. <laughs> we, I mean, we watched so much TV, and I barely was able to get you know at least a half hour of Lost in Space in. Um, I, would, I will say this. If you are a Lost in Space fan... And it's been a while since you've seen, because it's been a little bit of time between uh, season two and now, mm-hmm. uh, you may forget what the hell's going on. One of my buddies was like, I had no idea what was going on. I had to go back and watch season two finale. Because you, yeah, you'll forget. You'll like, wait, what? Because here's, this is disaster porn, no doubt about it. The Robinsons have the worst luck ever. They are always in mortal Aww. danger every time, which no is what I love what. about it. Because that was, you know, I mean, that's the theme of the show, Danger Will Robinson. And oh, yeah. they They've captured that very nicely. Uh, I will say this, um, and I since you know I haven't really watched a lot of, I don't have to spoil anything. But the way season two ended was that um, the kids thought they were jumping to Alpha Centauri. They all the parents said, "Hey, there were these robots that Will has befriended one of the robots, but the rest of the robots are pissed and don't like humans." And for good reason, because humans stole basically their warp drive. So they're like, "Yeah, you know what, you jerks? I know you're trying to." You know, leave your planet and go to Alpha Centauri, but that's our warp drive, you biatches. <laughs> and, you know, some of the humans did not treat the robots very well because in order to get the warp drive to work, you've got you've to basically have a robot and you've got to have them in capture. You have to have them captured. And they, they had this one robot called Scarecrow that they treated like crap in order Aww. to get their ship to work. So, yeah, you want to hate these robots, but at the same time, yeah. The humans have kind of done what they've done. Wait, wait, you're saying that humans ruin everything? Yeah, a couple of humans. <laughs> a lot of the humans had no idea this was going on. They just thought, this is great that we'll be able to travel to Alpha Centauri, and right. we don't know why we have this technology, but okay. Um, but Will is able to befriend one of these robots that were damaged, and so this, this, so the robot and Will are like buddies, and the end of last season was is that they were like, okay, the robots are attacking us. We have to put the kids on one of the Jupiters, and send that Jupiter to Alpha Centauri. Trouble was, is they didn't get to Alpha Centauri. They, <laughs> they they ended up getting to a ship, which is Judy's Judy Robinson's dad's long lost ship. In this version of Lost in Space, Judy Robinson has been has basically been uh, a step. She's a stepkid of John Robinson. Oh, okay. Her uh, her biological dad uh, was the captain of a ship that was lost in space. Yeah. And well, turns out that's where they went. They went to that ship. Instead, uh, to Alpha Centauri, and so that's where we start off. We've got all the adults that are from this uh, thing called the Resolute, which was basically this giant ship that it was uh, that had all these little mini Jupiter ships, including the Jupiter Two. And um, this was going to be a colonist going to go colonize Alpha Centauri as Earth was dying. And this was the 24th set of colonists that went out to Alpha Centauri. But, of course, this whole thing went wrong. And the Resolute's like, God, every time we turn around, there's a disaster. (laughs) This this, this 24th group of colonists is never going to get there. And now all of the adults had to let, you know, they basically said, listen, we're going to put all the kids on the ship and at least let them live while we try to deal with these robots. And that's where we are. It's not good for the adults, but again, it's not good for the kids because they're stuck on a planet that's not Alpha Centauri. And hey, wouldn't you know, 
But yeah, everything's been okay for a year. But now when we tune in, yeah, disaster is about to happen. They need to get off the planet. Shocking. Yeah, the robots are kicking everybody's ass and people are dying and it's not good for anybody. And oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it, but it looks like it's just as good as seasons one and two have been, from what I can tell. It's exact, except that Will Robinson now I think is a grandfather. Um, <laughs> and I mean, Doctor Smith does. Doctor Smith, well, spoiler alert. Doctor Smith does actually address the fact that Will is taller than her right now, and it's, she's just like, Will's very annoying. He's very different. I'm not talking about the fact that he's taller than me now. Uh, <laughs> and, and yeah, it's completely, it's nuts. Um, it almost looks like they actually recorded like some of the uh, bit of uh, of season three's episode one. They recorded it like at the end of season two because Will's growth is dramatic and he looks oh, like he, wow. he looks the same that I remember him in season two as they show us a bit of season three's episode one. Then we flash three hundred days in the future. And they're on the planet, and Will looks much older. So Growth it's like, spurt, eh? yeah. So it must be. Oh, this was recently done, and uh, you know, other parts of this first episode were probably recorded at the end of season two, and they just saved it for you know this season. And they're just like, well, we have to explain it. Three hundred days in the future. Yep, that's enough time. I'd say yeah, that's enough time for him to basically you know be in college. You know, uh, so there you go. So, but yeah, Lost in Space, Netflix, all the episodes are available now. And uh, if you like the first two, don't see why this season isn't going to be just as good. Yeah, exactly on that. And it's going to end it. I mean, we're going to find out about the robot wars and what happens. Do they get to Alpha Satori? Will the robots kick their ass? Will the robots be friends? Where, where the hell do the robots come from? Because they're not, are they, are they sort of cyborg? Are they beings or are they creations? I mean, I'm looking forward to find out the origin, and hopefully they tell us. Maybe they're Celestials. <laughs> oh, boy, that would be... Sorry, we're just mis- mixing uh, mixing companies and genres yeah, here on that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. Well, the Eternals actually were the artificial beings. Mm, oh, you're right, you're right. I yeah, meant to say yeah, that, not yeah, Celestials. Yeah, Damn it, yeah. I even got oh, that well, wrong. you know what you're doing. Yeah, right. Well, uh, talking about other stuff and going kind of, to sort of kind of comics in that, the DC Universe, and with the CW shows The Flash, or just Flash, I'm not sure if... It has the bell in front of it. It's it's still going on, and I have to imagine that you're still watching it. Yeah, uh, this is uh, you know, and this is their crossover series, but rather having it uh, a big, you know, it's a big crossover event. Except instead of you know, Flash crossing over to another show to another show, I think they're just going to have people from other shows cross over to his show. And uh, we had the first one last week, uh, last week, uh, last week with uh, you know, with uh, with Black Lightning. He showed up, and he's uh, he's been a show on the C Dub. And um, yeah, the Flash. And by the way, it is the Flash, Rev. So you are right. It's not. It's not like Perfect. Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Um. You know. Uh, guess what? Flash is really powerful. He's so powerful that this dude's got to come back and basically say, "You're gonna lose your mind and use all your power and be mean to everybody in the future." So I'm gonna stop you right now. Oh. And, yeah. And I don't know. This guy's kind of sketch. You know, whoever this guy is uh, that's trying to help out everybody else. Uh, Tony Curran, who you you, you know Tony. Uh, Tony has been in a, a lot of different things. Uh, he was in The Punisher. He played, I think, the Irish gang leader in The Punisher. Uh, Tony was also uh, in oh, Defiance. Yeah. Uh, Tony's been in Sons of Anarchy. And uh, so Tony is playing this character where he's just basically, and, and I'm trying to think of his name. Uh, I can't think of it off the, uh, right off the top of my head who he's playing, but he's, he's playing Despero? this guy. 
Yeah, Despero. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was looked, desperate to try to find his name. I looked him up because I was like, "You look really familiar." Wasn't he like Van Gogh in a Doctor Who episode? That's exactly true. Yes, I thank was, you. This yeah. is that one scene that I've seen so many times. And I'm just like, he looks way too familiar. Yeah, yeah. And so Despero uh, is supposedly coming back in time to stop uh, the Flash from destroying everything, killing everything. I will tell you this: it's been an interesting season because what my my daughter and I are like. You know, uh, Flash's dad, Joe, who's a cop, we haven't seen him. And yet they we, we know a couple of people have left the show. So, you know, that's the thing is Cisco's not on the show anymore. And uh, unfortunately, Ralph is not on the show because uh, the actor decided to be kind of you know outspoken in a way that made him unhirable by the oh, Flash people. Geez. Yeah, so <laughs> so he was he's not on the show anymore. So sis, uh, so we, and, and and also um, uh, Harrison Wells is off the show. Uh, well, at least he was off the show, but mm. he maybe at least the actor Tom Cavanaugh is coming back for next week's episode. So we weren't sure, like where the hell is Joe? Uh, we I'm, I'm just like. We haven't seen him, but they keep showing his face in the intro, which means he's still on the show. But we don't know where Joe is. We and so my, you know, I, my, Sarah and I are like anything happened to him? We can't, we can't really remember if anything happened to him. We, I don't think so. Well, it turns out that's a big part of this, as apparently oh. Joe has died, but we didn't know about it. Oh, and by the way, Flash doesn't remember it. Ooh. But everybody else remembers it, including Joe's wife, and of course Flash's wife, and she's the daughter of Joe, Iris. And, but you know, but something's going on. I mean, you know, so something's trippy. And then yeah, Flash starts losing his mind. He's like blacking out and almost killing everybody and wrecking the city. And so now he's public enemy number one. And of course, Despero says, "You see, I told you, <laughs> you see, I got to kill you, brother." <laughs> but something is just not right. Something is really, really fishy. And you know, and so Iris is going to try to figure it out, and everyone's going to try to figure it out. But oh, but then meanwhile, Flash is trying to get his power. And of course, Flash is super powerful; like he's leveled up. Yeah. But now that he's all dangerous, he goes to Black Lightning and says, "Hey, shoot me with your lightning a bunch of times, so I'm not so powerful, and maybe I'll lose all my powers altogether." It's called the Injustice Initiative, I guess. All the DC heroes got together and said, if any one of us goes rogue, you take our powers away. That is so funny because the whole basis of in the Injustice universe is that Superman basically, you know, went nuts and kind of became the world dictator. So the Injustice Initiative is kind of a cool nod to that. Yeah, that, I didn't even realize that. So, yeah, th- th- thanks for letting me know that. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, because that's exactly what's happening is, you know, Flash is going rogue. But he's losing his mind. He doesn't remember it. He's blacking out. He's like, I don't remember doing Well, of course, then, you know, Black Lightning does his best, but he doesn't really take the powers away fully. But he takes enough of them away so that Flash probably won't be able to be powerful enough to face whatever dangers he now has to face as he travels to the future. Because finally, they're like, something's wrong. Flash, you got to figure this out. And Flash goes, okay, I'll travel to the future and see what's up. I'll go see where they said I was a bad guy. It's always been interesting with Flash because he is, like, super powerful, and they've been able to do so many interesting things with the fact that he has super speed, and they're just like, no, well, because he's got super speed, he can do this, he can do that, he's got, what, the cosmic treadmill or whatever the hell the thing's called? Oh, yeah. There's so many different ways that they've made him super powerful, but in order to make it so... He's not just powerful enough to get on the thing and do you know completely annihilate the baddies. It's like, no, I'll be the baddie, and then now I got to fight me in the future, but while being underpowered. So at least that there's at least a little bit of drama there. Yeah, and he went to the future in this last episode, and at the end he sees Harrison Wells, but 
Is it Harrison Wells or is it uh, is it is it Thawne, his uh, reverse Flash villain, who took the face of Harrison Wells and uh, and and all the way back from season one? We're going back to wow. Uh, and Thawne has made a recent appearance. Last season, he was in in there, and he said, "Oh well, Flash will help you now, but I'll kill you later." Hey, uh, <laughs> and so we're wondering. Oh, and by the way, not only does he see Thawne or Harrison Wells. But it looks like it's Harrison Wells, who's basically going, and I can't wait to marry Iris, who happens to be Flash's wife oh, in the past. But he's going to the future. So it's like, wow, not only did Flash go bad, but Iris said, you know what? I'm kicking you to the curb and I'm going with this guy. So that's what's next. That's what's on tap with the Flash. Uh, moving on from that, going and staying with the sci-fi theme that you love so much, Apple TV has a series called Invasion. And it seems interesting. I don't have Apple TV Plus, but I'm, I'm I'm very curious about this. Yeah, this is a slow build show. Ah, uh, okay. It's a slow build. I was told about this, but I said, all right, I'll go into it anyway. And at the time, my daughter and I were looking for stuff to watch. And we're like, hey, we're running out of shows, you know? And then, boom, Invasion. <laughs> we, want, we get a couple of extra episodes of Invasion, and then, oh, hey, it's New Flash, and hey, Wheel of Time. Yeah, and, hey, right. There's and, so hey, much oh, stuff now. Oh, uh, Doctor Who Flux. I'm like, hey, 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 we, okay, well, guess what? We'll get to Invasion at some point. So, yeah, I, I, I we've watched a couple of episodes, but it follows a, a bunch of different people in their lives, including one couple where, well, you know, I, I, sometimes I just don't understand. It's like, you know, I want to look at this guy and go, wow, you had a happy family scene, kids jumping in bed, jumping in the bed, a gorgeous wife who's, who gave up her life. She seems to be a brilliant doctor, but she gave that up so you could go do whatever you were doing. Uh, and you know, you got two kids that love you, the nice house. Oh, yeah, and you're going to cheat on her anyway. And I'm just like, okay. I, 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 sometimes I'm just like, I don't understand it. You know, what are you your, doing? your wife seems like a really cool person. She's gorgeous. She's intelligent. And she gave up her life just so that you could have yours. Why would you ever cheat on anybody like that? I don't understand that. It's like, what would you ever want from a human being? Uh, uh, but that's the storyline. Other people have other stuff going on, too, including a cop that was just about to be retired who never had his big case. And uh, and yet, uh, all of a sudden, it just started happening. All of this because some sort of alien invasion event is happening. Some crazy stuff is Ooh. going down in the midst of crazy stuff going down in these people's normal lives. And that's where I'm at. I'm at, uh, you know, basically there's other people involved too, but mostly it's the cop and uh, that I'm remembering and the couple. And they've got to figure stuff out in the midst of the fact that S is going down and they got to figure out what is, what is, what is this? As it turns, and, and there's, also, there's also some um, military dudes that are caught in a horrific situation where they've just that like the like the troop before them just disappeared. Oh, geez! And they're they're you know they're in a you know they're in a, a war torn Middle Eastern country, and, you know, and it's it's pretty bad as we've seen when you know whenever we've been in Afghanistan, places like that, mm -hmm. and they're there just trying to figure it out, and they're like, okay, where do they you see guys dressed like us? Where, where did they go? And of course, they don't speak the language, and they go, oh, they went over there. And they're gone. Like, there's no sign of them. Again, all part of this whole invasion thing. It is a very slow build, but man, oh, man, oh, man. I mean, it's got me hooked. Uh, I want, you know, nice. as they're showing us the human element, but we also have this sort of alien invasion element. And it's, you know, more episodes have dropped than what I've watched, but, you know, it's uh, it's worth a watch. And I'm, and I'm going to go back to it. And it's on, like you said, Apple TV Plus. It's called Invasion. 
It's interesting, too, because the thing that got me with it and when you're explaining it is like, yeah, there's an alien invasion, but as it's going down, you don't know what's going on. And you're still going to have real life problems that you have to deal with. And I mean, even just looking at, you know, what we've had to deal with in the last couple of years and just normal life, it, just because something is happening bigger around you than just your family life, it doesn't mean that your family life still isn't going to be you have to deal with all kind of the quote unquote normal stuff. Yeah, and you know, you're going to see that in science fiction. Yeah. Which a lot of the fans are, you know, who complain about why do we have to cover world events? It's like science fiction has always done that. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and, and I, I really don't understand how fans have forgotten that, or maybe they have different expectations. It's like, yeah, sci fi always takes current events. They might throw it, you know, with people with like, you know, half white, half black skin on a different planet. They might do something like that and have, you know, the and have Frank Gorshin the Riddler run around in tights, but it's still going to be issues of the day. Yeah, exactly. A hundred percent on that. Now, finally, this was one that was very divisive in the nerd community, and that was He-Man Revelations. Yeah. Or Masters of the Universe Revelations. I have to basically make sure and yeah, say that because it's not about He-Man. No, it's not. And the uh, the part one dropped, uh, gosh, what, last year, I believe, or uh, earlier this year? It, it was, was earlier this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's just it's been a long year. And so when it dropped, everyone was excited because Kevin Smith was writing it, and it was going to be a, the first part dropped, and it was five episodes uh, exploring the Masters of the Universe, well, universe. And then everyone got pissed because, well, it seemingly seems that, A, in the first episode, they kill off both He-Man and Skeletor, and you're like, what the F? And it turns out it was really kind of a story more about Tila. Yes. And then uh, by episode five, uh, they bring them back only for maybe He-Man to be killed again and Skeletor to get the sword and then all of a sudden going, you know, becoming the the uh, super-powered master of the universe himself. A lot of people were pissed, going, oh, no, what's going on with my He-Man? Yes. And when I was watching that, I was just basically like, come on, guys, it's a story to tell. you got to kind of go with that. It reminded me a lot of a Superior Spider-Man when Doc Ock took over Peter Parker's body. And so it just released uh, back at the end of November, right before Thanksgiving, Part 2, which is another uh, five episodes. I've only watched the first episode, and it's... Not it's it, it's keeping up in the terms of that Tila is really essentially kind of the main character, but we're getting back all of the other characters and more explaining what happens. And so far with the first episode, I loved it and I'm really interested, but also I love the first part, too. Uh, how much have you watched of it? Oh, I've watched it all, baby. Oh, you binged the whole thing? Binged it all, baby. It's done. <laughs> yeah, I I am not a fan. I mean, I, you know, I was an, I was an adult. When oh, yeah. master when he when the He Man toys were out and, and all I that, and I grew up with the toys, yeah. like I had a ton of the toys. And you can just imagine an adult watching a Saturday morning cartoon that was designed just to sell figures. It, oh it, you know, yeah, yeah. Why would yeah, you want? Yeah. Uh, oh, I hated the animation. <laughs> the story to me was really, really dumb. But I get it. You know, for a little kid, whatever. He Man. You know, it oh, was yeah. massively two dimensional. And you know, every all of the other characters that were around He Man were just window dressing. Mm-hmm. You know, they weren't anybody. And so Kevin Smith went out there and said, look, I'm, I'm going to really add three dimensions to these characters. And, you know, look, I, I give Kevin Smith credit because, again, you've got marginalized people who are now represented 
in every and, and that's what he did. He's like, look, I'm going to throw marginalized people in this universe and I'm going to flush these characters out so yeah. that you see there's more than just this two dimensional. Hey, I fell in a vat of acid and everybody has one bad day, you know, <laughs> I, which, you know, that kind of that's just not what people want anymore. No. I know that some people want the Joker just to be that kind of guy, but it's just not what it is anymore. Uh, there are complex psychological issues to anybody doing what they do, especially if they're mean to people and if they whatever they go. And I will say this: um, they uh, Kevin Smith does a great job with this because I think he brings in marginalized characters, which is which, which I think is fantastic. So everybody can look on the screen and go, "Hey, I can root for this person. Absolutely, they're just as important to this story as He Man is." Uh, they also take a look at the fact, though, how Prince Adam. You know, like, okay, when you're Prince Adam, you're kind of a loser. Nobody cares. And when you're He-Man, that's when you're... And I loved how he looked at that dynamic, which mm. they, they covered. Um, they, there's a lot that is, is explored. And Evelyn. And, you know, you know, of course, they got, you know, um, Cersei to play Evelyn, which was fantastic. Yeah, that's right. Lena Hetty, who's, you know, she's, she's a terrific actor. He got some good people to do these voices, uh, including Sarah Michelle Gellar, who played, you know, Tila, which is, hey, listen, man, you know, how wonderful I is forgot. that? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, and, and Tila's character is really cool. Kevin formed a story and an, a Bible and a universe around, let's be honest, a really stupid cartoon. I mean, he, 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 he created something amazing out of a really stupid Two-dimensional throwaway cartoon. And can, as, we, can we be honest here? And as much as I loved He-Man, you're not wrong. Like, trying to go back and watch those cartoons, it was a goofy story set in a half hour or, you know, 23 minutes to sell toys. And there was always a new character so they could sell the new toy. And I do love, even in this first episode, how they kind of uh, even bring in some of those characters. And you're like, oh, yeah, those guys still look like giant toys, which is kind of hilarious. Um, but he has no issue with also offing those characters as well. Like, And there's some really funny lines with some of them as well. And I'm oh, like, yeah. And yeah. it's just like, oh, yeah, this, is, this has Kevin Smith's writing all over it. Like, if you know some of his juvenile humor, it goes in there too. But there's a lot of heartfelt stuff as well. Yeah, the uh, is it Fisto? Is it's that the, Fisto. Yeah, yeah the, the Fisto. <laughs> the, the, if if that isn't a meme already, oh, somebody should. Okay, oh yeah, yeah, it absolutely yeah. is. And everyone was like, "Yes, we know that Kevin Smith wrote this because this line." Yeah, and look, <laughs> look I, I, that's what I love about it. And I will tell you, man, uh, Kevin Smith uh, does. I I think he does a great job. Really, in a way. Uh, paying homage as well as poking fun at the style of, well, at the style of a, a kid's entertainment because yeah. it's insulting. It really is insulting some of the crap they gave us back in the day. And Kevin Smith turned around and said, I'm going to take this franchise and that is beloved because you remember it, but I'm going to give it an adult touch. I don't think there's anybody, if you want He-Man to be what it was all those years ago, you look in the mirror and realize you're still a five-year-old. And that's okay, <laughs> but you have to understand that's all you want is five-year-old entertainment. Don't bother even looking at anything that's sophisticated. Yeah. He, he sophisticated that bitch up. And <laughs> I'm a perfect example because I watched because I had to for the podcast. All right, well, it's what we do. Mm -hmm. I don't care about He-Man, but I really love the story. I really like the characters. And I hate, I, ha I have no love for He-Man at all and thought it was dumb back in the day. So I think that shows what a great job Kevin Smith did creating characters in a universe that I was predisposed to go in and go, this is stupid, and go, 
Oh, you know what? I mean, I know nothing about any of these people, but I like the way he's presenting him. I love Tila's story, and I love the, uh, well, I can't say who this person is, but there's a story in there that gets a promotion, and that person's really like a cool new character that's based on a, uh, you know, it's taking over for another character, and I won't say who it is, so you will Yeah, don't spoil it for me there. <laughs> um, but everybody involved, but there's a great, I will say this, there is a great dialogue between Evelyn and Skeletor where Kevin Smith gets and says, you know what? Everybody loves this type of bad guy, Skeletor. Let me show you why that character doesn't work anymore in today's times. And the conversation between Evelyn and Skeletor in one of the final episodes proves it. She wow. basically she basically calls out Skeletor, and I won't tell you how it's done, but then you can sit and look at that conversation and go, she's right. That's what we expected from our villains was to be just like Skeletor, and it's so lame. It's so lame that, you know, that that's the kind of villain that we were like, oh, I love the Skeletor. It's the greatest villain. It's like, is he, though? I mean, when you, and, and, and she'll tell you why. She'll be like, Skeletor, that's here's cool. why you're not a great villain. And I thought, <laughs> wow, what are we doing? I mean, so basically, Cersei is calling out Skeletor, which, let's be honest, that's isn't funny. that a dream come true? <laughs> Cersei's bitching out Skeletor. What else do you want from anything? You're a bad villain, and this yeah. is why. <laughs> yeah, it, I really, really liked it. Unfortunately, it's it's not getting, I, I don't understand. You know, I look at IMDb, and none of these uh, Kevin Smith episodes have gotten better than like a 6.9-ish, a 6.7-ish. Interesting. And, and these last Last five didn't even really get they didn't crack the they didn't even crack six and i don't understand it i really don't get it because it's like this guy is taking crap and really made a higher art of it and you don't appreciate that how do you not i i i, I just don't get it i don't know who the hell is rating this but it's like i mean I, okay yeah you know? like you said it's the the people who are stuck needing that that their version of he-man and you know what you can probably find those old cartoons online somewhere go back and watch those and just see if that's the storytelling you really really want when it comes down to it well guys let us know how you feel about he-man what you feel about lost in space any of those we'd love to hear your feedback you can send us messages at bjgeeknation at gmail.com or to hit us up on our social media and let us know what's going on and until next time guys stay nerdy